details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public. No more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. Yes, I'm here. I'm just uh, taking a, a, a nice sip of iced tea. So, the thing is, when I start rolling the when I start rolling the show here, I don't like to stop and then start over, and uh, I just like to do it in one take. Do it live. We'll do it live. All right, welcome in. Another edition of Michael Groff in Exile is on the air. It is Thursday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, 2010. Oh, boy. And you know what happens. There's a lot of those April Fool's kind of things going on on radio stations everywhere. Everybody gets wacky and they do these wacky radio stubs. You know, they... I try to avoid it as much as possible. I'm not going to get down and get into all that crap. So what are your favorite radio hosts? What are your favorite DJs got fired today? Uh, But not really. Although that would be funny if they actually fired somebody and it wasn't April Fool's. Like tomorrow, guy comes in the station and uh, they go, no, 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 that wasn't April Fool's. The only fool here is you. You're fired. See ya. I've heard about that happening. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into it. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. That's also the PayPal address, should you feel the need to donate generously to this program. Again, Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Graff Show, the screen name. 
EF, Net IRC, Net Radio, the channel, and of course, more information on this program available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Stop everything. Wait a second. Hold it. Stop the intro. We have breaking news from the entertainment industry, and I can't even believe this is true, but uh, this is it. It's, it's hot off the presses. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I can't even believe this. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Folks, Ricky Martin is gay? What? Wait a second. No way. Wait, no, no. No, Ricky Martin. No, no. She's into superstitions, black cats and voodoo dolls. I feel a premonition. That girl's gonna make me fall. You're telling me that a guy that made this song is gay? What's next? Is Lance Bass gay? Oh, wait. He is gay. Next thing you're going to do is tell me that Clay Aiken is gay, too. Oh, wait. Yeah, he, he was, too. We all kind of saw that. Yeah. So the guy that wrote this piece of crap is gay. The only problem is, is this isn't exactly breaking news because we all knew it. <laughs> like, the very first time I heard this song, like five notes into the song, I said, oh, a gay guy wrote it. That's pretty cool. Another gay musician. All right. I, I like how these guys come out of the closet about 12 years after they were relevant. Lance Bass. Clay Aiken. Well, for Clay Aiken, it wasn't quite 12 years. It was just one of those things that everybody knew. It was the uh, it was the big elephant in the room that nobody wanted to talk about. Big snaps for me. Ooh! I love this song. I'm singing about a woman, but I'm actually gay. You see what I did there? I'm edgy. How did you not know? There's probably some woman in Iowa right now that went, wait a minute. You mean to tell me he was gay? No way. And like, she's serious about it. You know, some 35-year-old woman that, you know, 12 years ago, she was a... She was into this uh, kind of music, and now she's like, I can't believe he's gay. There's no way. He was too cute to be gay. I think that the only problem with Ricky Martin was this is the only song he could come up with. Well, he did have that Shake Your Bon Bon song, which is such a bad song that even though we have every song in our library, we don't even have that song. It's not even in the, uh, in the station machine. It's not even in... Um, well, let me see if we have it on cassette or something. I don't think so. No, we, we don't have it anywhere. This is the only song this guy could come up with. All right, so I thought I would bring you that breaking news to open up the program. All right, we, we may uh, commence with the rest of the intro. 
Or, you know, we'll just go on with the show, actually. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for checking us out. It's Michael Graff in Exile, and uh, we're, we're here. We're doing it. It's Thursday. A lot of stuff to talk about on the program. We have new numbers on Barack Obama's approval rating. we got to talk about that. Um, Barack Obama was interviewed about um, what's going on, the tone of the country right now, the, the discussion about health care, the discussion about all these other policies going on, his, uh, his sudden uh, change to offshore drilling, which now um, people in his camp and, and, and the really uh, the big Obama fans out there, they're spinning it saying, well, this is actually a very good strategy. This is good policy. But not everybody is happy. Greenpeace... Uh, the folks at Greenpeace are calling this a betrayal. Some of his base, his environmentalist base that he was, um, well, that he got for his campaign and uh, that have been behind him throughout much of his presidency, some of his environmental base not only looks at it as a betrayal, but says, that's it, we're done. Uh, hope and change, we don't think so. So they're bailing on him. The folks at Greenpeace not happy with the idea of drilling offshore. Hmm. If we're going to be completely uh, honest about what's going on here, I thought it was a, uh, as I've really been thinking about it the last 24 hours, a brilliant political strategy. You have to give it up to Barack Obama. The guy is a, he's a very good politician. This guy is, he's phenomenal. I'm, I mean it. This is not April Fool's. I'm not, I'm saying in terms of political strategies, in terms of the, and I hate to use the tired cliche because I've only heard this about 6,000 times, but in terms of the political chess game, uh, he has really made his move and it's a good one. It's a good one because now he has this perception that he's moving toward the center. Now, a lot of people could probably see through this. But if you can't see through this, you're going to look at that as, man, he's moving toward the center. He's becoming moderate Obama. And maybe this softens the blow for the potential, well, not even potential, for the assured losses in the House and in the Senate in November. And he feels that maybe this will also help to get some of the more moderate Republicans to join on his his energy bill, his cap and trade as it's called, is cap-and-trade bill, so, uh, or cap-and-tax, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, so in terms of political theater, in terms of political strategy, this is one of those things that you have to look at and say, hmm, it's a pretty brilliant move. It really is. Uh, you have to give it up. Well, can we just go back to listening to Ricky Martin? Really? I mean, why not? Because, you know, I'd rather, as, as hard as it is to believe, I'd probably rather listen to Ricky Morton than talk more about Obama, but. All right, enough of that. We will uh, get to uh, more of that. And we have to talk about these ratings that are out for the major cable outlets. I just want to mention this. Uh, cable news in this country is, uh, well, it's in an interesting state of flux right now. And this is actually a trend that's been going on for some time. When I saw this, I actually couldn't even believe it, but apparently the first quarter of 2010, as compared with the first quarter of 2009, do you know CNN's ratings are down 50%? Yeah. Yeah, they're down 50%. They've lost half their audience. Larry King lost 43% of his audience. I'm just looking at these various shows that they have in here. They've... Uh, for between 40 and 60 percent some of these shows are down 
Uh, MSNBC has shown uh, a, a somewhat of a loss, although some shows have shown a, a bit of a positive trend. Somehow, people are listening or watching the Ed Show on MSNBC. I'm not exactly sure. Do you, look, the the repeat of Keith Olbermann on MSNBC. Not exactly what I would call the highest rated show on MSNBC, but the repeat of Keith Olbermann beats Larry King on CNN. So uh, MSNBC has not shown very much growth. Uh, their ratings down just a little bit. But the channel that has shown the greatest growth, well, it's Fox News. Fox News is up another 25%. Uh, they continue to show incredible growth, and especially uh, Sean Hannity, uh, Glenn Beck, who just started. So there's really no comparison between now and 2009. But um, his uh, numbers are showing an uptick. Uh, Greta Van Susteren, um, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly had the largest increase, and in, uh, somehow I, I I don't know how. I don't know how anybody watches Bill O'Reilly consistently. I mean, you're just waiting for him to go off on a, on a tangent at any point. But other than that, um, I don't get it. But uh, so Fox News showed an increasing... Um, an ever-increasing audience. Now, what's interesting is, how is that possible if if what we're to understand is that, you know, most people in this country uh, are, are for Barack Obama and his policies, and they're, you know, and Fox News is supposedly this, just this major conservative media outlet. You know what the problem is? Let me explain. I've said this for a long time. You know, Fox News just, they manage to, number one, they get the hottest female reporters on there and anchors. Oh my God. Fox News just loads up with hot chicks and they load up with strong personalities. Uh, they have got Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, uh, Greta Van Susteren just, uh, I don't, I don't like her at all, but uh, apparently some people like Greta, my mom watches Greta, you know, that's, that's your audience right there. You know, my mom thinks Greta Van Susteren is just uh, awesome. I think because she's always watching her. And then, uh, and, and Glenn Beck is on there, you know, uh, Shepard, uh, Shepard Smith, you know, Britt Hume. They've always attracted the strong, uh, sort of personalities that people gravitate toward their morning Joe show it beats the show on CNN. Just every aspect of, of, um, Fox news is just kicking everybody pretty much, well, pretty much kicking everybody's ass. I'm just looking at the ratings across the board. Pretty much dominates in the in the news. And I, I mean, it's just a better product. They're just doing news better than anybody else. News and entertainment. Because Bill O'Reilly, it's not a news show. Sean Hannity, not necessarily news. These are political commentary shows. Uh, they're clearly beating Rachel Maddow, Larry King, uh, Keith Olbermann and all these other shows, the Ed show. I mean, it's just, they're kicking their ass. It's not even a, an issue of conservative versus liberal here. We're just talking about better shows. Uh, you look at the, uh, you look at um, the Rachel Maddow show, for example, it's just, I'm sorry, never mind the politics. I, and I don't like Bill O'Reilly. Okay. I don't, I don't. I don't like the fact that he's just another one of these guys that comes on the air and sells all of his little tchotchkes and uh, charges you, you know, 20 bucks for a Bill O'Reilly pen, which is a great Father's Day gift. So I don't, I'm not a fan of Bill O'Reilly, but let's just face it. He puts on a better show. It's just a, it is. 
Fox News just has a better product. They definitely have the hottest chicks. There's no question about that. Fox News, they go above and beyond. And, and, and the fact that CNN, fewer and fewer people are watching CNN. Well, in, in a way, it's sad because growing up as a, as a kid, I remember CNN was the network. It was where you got your news. Really, uh, it, people were starting to drift away from the major networks and going to CNN. CNN had the best Operation Desert Storm coverage and leading up to it, Operation Desert Shield and all of that. They had the best coverage. Wolf Blitzer out there, uh, you know, in the field and, and just every day they provided the best coverage. Saddam Hussein got all of his news about what was happening, what, which bombs were about to be dropped where from watching CNN. So Saddam Hussein really liked the coverage. No, they did a great job. CNN for a while did, and now they just got pushed out the door. Sorry. You guys are done. See ya. Thanks for playing. All right. So that's a little bit of an update on the cable news race. All right. And of course, we've got the Michael Grob Show stupid news file. We definitely uh, are going to get to that coming up on the program. And I have to pass along what I'm going to call a bittersweet note. All season, we've been tracking this story here on the podcast. And unfortunately, the 2009-2010 New Jersey Nets will not be the worst franchise in NBA history record-wise. Uh, they got their 10th win the other night, beating <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs 90-84, which is why it's bittersweet. Um it's, uh, it does suck that they're not going to have the record. They're not even going to tie the record now. Um, the Suns beat them last night, by the way. The Suns beat the, the Nets 116-105. But um, the fact that they beat the Spurs in order to uh, surpass the nine-win total set by the 72-73 Philadelphia 76ers, that's still okay. That's still all right. I know, I know. We're talking about... He's talking about sports again. Oh, God, on the podcast. You're really going to hate it when I break down the Major League Baseball season, aren't you? We're going to probably do that tomorrow. But I, uh, <laughs> I'm i telling you, man, um, I, I did laugh. I laughed a lot. Take that, Greg Popovich. Take that and and love it. All right. Mike at KMGX.com would be our email address. That's also the PayPal address. So you can, if you feel the need, you could always make a donation. Standing there alone, the ship is Break time. And when we come back, more of the madness that is this. Michael Graf in exile. It's Thursday. And we'll be back. Segment number two, Michael Groff in exile on a Thursday, April 1st, 2010. 
Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And of course, we're always hanging out on EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. That's our little IRC section. All of which available 24-7, 365. MichaelGroff.com for a lot more exciting stuff. All right, interesting indicators out on Barack Obama. We've talked about the approval numbers, but now there's a new USA Today Gallup poll that's out, which looks at the approval numbers in a little bit more of an in-depth analysis. And I think this, this is a very telling indicator of what America thinks and what's going on. And I know uh, these poll numbers are going to be disputed. I'm sure people are going to have their problem with it, but... The survey was conducted last Friday through Sunday. The president, well, he gets some tough treatment. Obama's standing on four key personal qualities, including being a strong leader and a decisive leader and understanding the problems Americans face in their lives has dipped for the first time since the 2008 campaign. Now, again, we know that his approval numbers have been steadily declining. And in fact, if you look at the average of each month of the first year of his campaign, it's the lowest in history. But now let's look at it. 26% say that he deserves a great deal of the blame for the nation's economic problems. Nearly double the number who felt that uh, during the uh, summer of 2009. In all... Half say that he deserves at least a moderate amount of the blame. The blame directed at his predecessor, former President George W. Bush, has uh, eased. 42% now give Bush a great deal of the blame, basically unchanged from 43% last July. By a 50 to 46% uh, 46 margin, those surveyed say that Obama doesn't deserve re-election. Now, that is the very telling tale because 52 to 53% voted for Barack Obama in 2008, and now 50% say that he does not deserve re-election. That's very interesting, and this just goes along with another, uh, well, with an entire slew of polls, surveys that we've been reading for the last couple of months now on the program. Obama's approval rating on handling the economy, foreign affairs, and the federal budget deficit hasn't significantly changed from February. It has risen a bit on health care, though he doesn't get the majority approval on any of these categories. Even so, the president fares better than other Washington leaders. And this is very telling about how the American people feel about our congressional leaders as compared to Obama. As, as I just read, 50% would not reelect him or feel that he does not deserve reelection. And the approval numbers, if you look at the approval numbers, it's about the same. You know, again, we talked about Barack Obama at a 46% approval rating. That's still much higher than House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who gets 36% approval rating. House Republican leader John Boehner only gets 29% approval. Um, let's see, in the Senate... Democrat leader Harry Reid, 29% approval rating. And Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, only a 31% approval rating. Which, again, goes to speak to how uh, Americans are really looking at all of our uh, congressional leaders and saying, nah, you know what, you all suck. 36% for Nancy Pelosi, I think that's still too high.
John Boehner, 29%. Harry Reid, 29%. It's bad. The telephone poll of 1,033 adults has a margin of error of plus or minus 4%. So, you know, uh, this is still this is still bad news. Barack Obama is telling people to tone down the rhetoric. Obama was being interviewed, uh, I think, on the CBS Early Show by Harry Smith. You know, I've got a few other things on my mind, Obama said. It's... Uh, it's like healthcare. I always come from behind. I finish strong. Again, he's making sort of a sports analogy here. He was on a basketball court and he was shooting some hoops with um, with the guys from CBS. Yeah, that's cool. It's time to shoot some hoops. I, you know, the economy, everything's going fine. I, I think he should probably play some basketball. Why not? Quote, he's talking now about... Um, what uh, some of his critics have to say, specifically Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and these other guys. Quote, well, I think that when you listen to Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck, it's pretty apparent and it's troublesome. But keep in mind that there have been periods in American history where this kind of vitriol comes out. He goes on to say, it happens often when you've got an economy that is making people very anxious and people are feeling like there is a lot of change that needs to take place. But that's not the vast majority of Americans. I think the vast majority of Americans know that we're trying hard, that I want what's best for the country. He continues, I didn't buy all the hype after, uh, after inauguration where everybody was only saying nice things about me. Huh. Didn't hear this show. Quote, and I don't get too worried when things aren't going as well because I know that over time, these things turn. The president said both Democrats and Republicans have a responsibility to tone down the rhetoric, but that much of it has to do with the current media environment in which extreme comments are echoed in the blogosphere. So, Obama's upset at the blogosphere for making, um, well, because they, they need to tone down their rhetoric. The media needs to stop covering it. We all just need to tone down the rhetoric. Well, I, I hope, again, that he makes sure that he does mention Democrats and Republicans need to tone down the rhetoric. I saw that, you know, again, I know that we're blaming the Tea Partiers for all the violence that goes on. Um, I, again, nobody has answered my question then. Was it the Tea Partiers? who put a bullet through Eric Cantor's window. I saw that a bus today, there's a story about a bus that got, uh, that had eggs and other projectiles hurled at it, a bus full of tea partiers. You know, again, I'm saying that any kind of violence on any side of any debate, no matter who does it, is disgusting. And I don't like to attribute violence to one party or the other, or one group of people or the other. I attribute violence to fringe types. I don't equate it with um, with any p specific party. I'm not going to sit here and do what others do and polarize this thing. I look at violence and extremists as typically people that aren't representing a party. They're representing the party of crazy. They're representing the party of nutballs. I know everybody wants to lump in guys like Joe Stack uh, with the tea partiers, but that's not the case. It's time that people started getting their facts in line. I'm just waiting for somebody 
to say that this guy uh, over in North Scottsdale the other day that went nuts and he killed his two kids and he put a gun to his own head and he didn't wind up killing himself, by the way. I'm still waiting for somebody to attribute that to the Tea Party. I mean, the Tea Party is now getting uh, the, the blame for everything that goes on in this country. Look, uh, there are just crazy people. It's just, it's madness. It really is. Now you see the, uh, the new talking point is that people are upset with John McCain because he's using things like, um, we're going to take it to them in November. We're, we've got them in our, in our sights. You know, he's using the same old war cliches that politicians have used for, oh, I don't know, hundreds of years. He's uh, getting a lot of crap because he's using that. And that's, that's apparently inciting violence when you use those kind of war cliches. Never mind, once again, that those have been used forever in politics. There's standard cliches. Our backs are against the wall. It's the same sports analogies, too. We're going to have to get in the trenches and really fight for this one. We need to take America back. We need to take it by storm. Apparently, rhetoric like that is inciting violence, according to some. Uh, I say it's the same kind of stuff that has been said for generations upon generations. And yet, somehow, this is uh, what the rhetoric that's damaging this country and it's inciting violence. And we need to tone down that rhetoric. The only thing I need, I think that needs to be toned down, actually, I think it needs to be stopped entirely, is any kind of violence. When we start throwing bricks through guys' windows, when we start shooting people, when we start putting pellet guns uh, to offices, when we start uh, vandalism and uh, threats. And again, you know this guy that went after Eric Cantor, uh, this guy made uh, about a thousand threatening videos. Not just, not only did uh, they uh, put a bullet through the guy's window, but uh, he sent about a thousand threatening videos and phone calls. How do you do that? How do you even make a thousand threatening videos? How does that even happen? Where do you have the time to make a thousand threatening videos? And of course, in news that really shouldn't come as a surprise to most of you that have a slightly scientific mind, it seems that ice off of the Arctic coast is returning. And yeah, they looked at uh, the sea ice off the Alaskan Arctic coast, and it's back to levels that we saw more than 10 years ago, pre-2001, and indicating that uh, sea level, sea ice, is returning. It's back. It's been colder up there. So sea ice is returning, and this is just another nail in the coffin to folks like Al Gore that are trying to sell you on the fear-mongering of global warming. The same scientific crap uh, where I, I've been telling you all along that the evidence for global warming is ridiculous. Now, a lot of people that don't understand basic climatology will try to argue this with you. And what they'll tell you is that this is a sign that the globe may in fact be cooling. And global warming really means global cooling because what's happening is the ice, uh, Greenland's uh, ice sheet could very well be melting and that could change the salinity of the water and that could cause a change in the North Atlantic current, which could cause uh, much of Europe to cool down and uh, the UK could become uh, similar to Ontario and its climate and then that would mean uh, obviously significant cooling in the northern hemisphere which would really mean global cooling so global warming would cause global cooling and then what would happen is once it gets cool enough uh, there would not be enough uh, warm air to sustain clouds and precipitation so the globe would again start to warm up you know what that kind of sounds like to me that kind of sounds like a cycle 
as if the climate operates in some kind of weird sort of hmm, cycle, cyclical climatological patterns. You mean those same cyclical psych, uh, climatological patterns that have been going on across the globe for, well, uh, for about, what, three, four billion years now? Hmm. Who'd have thunk it, huh? Yeah. Uh, you can just take your global warming and, uh, and shove it. Don't tell that to all the folks this year that got buried under mountains and mountains of snow. And uh, they continue to be buried under mountains and mountains of snow. Although in Rhode Island right now, it looks like uh, it's just underwater, period. Rhode Island is more like uh, road harbor. Road, uh, road water. It's not even Rhode Island anymore. It's just a place that once had Rhode Island. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad going on there. All right. Well, I'm just trying to explain. There is a, uh, a fundamental difference. People, people try to use a few decades of temperature records to back up their assertion that we have this global warming that's now out of hand. And they might want to actually do a little bit of research. I'm just saying, climate is a little bit more than just a few decades or even a few centuries worth of data. I know, I know. How dare I go around and inserting facts into this picture? I know everybody likes to be gloom and doom, but not me. You know, I'm kind of... When it comes to climate, I'm about being objective. Believe it or not. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's the email and PayPal address, michaelgroff.com, for other uh, nonsense. Uh, Facebook, you can check us out on Facebook. We're there. We're hanging out. And so much more. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Thursday. Back for segment number three after this. Late tonight was lonely. It is such a long way home. segment of the day. It's Michael Graff in exile. Thursday, April 1st, 2010. Email address for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That's how you can get in contact with us. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graff show. AOL Instant Messenger. And of course, you can hit us up on Facebook. We're also available at michaelgroff.com. So all of your Michael Groff needs are covered explicitly all over the interwebs, folks. Thank God Al Gore invented that. 
He's just everyone's champion. We've got the exciting lawsuit of the day. Yes, the piece of litigation that we just can't live without. I'm surprised that this doesn't happen more. I I don't know if I've ever read about this. I'm sure I have, but this is just, um, well, I'm going to call it uh, somewhat unique, um, even though I'm sure it's not. This has probably happened a, a dozen times before, but let's see. There's a guy that is filing a lawsuit in Tennessee. He's going to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And he's this guy, uh, Mark Bowler, is the employee. He submitted two written requests for a single religious accommodation. Uh, he didn't want to be scheduled to work on Sundays in Morristown, Tennessee, in this store that's located in Morristown, Tennessee. It's a Lowe's. He works at a Lowe's, all right? And they denied his request because a human resources official said that it might create a hardship for other employees who would like to have Sundays off. Bowler lost his full-time status and was reduced to part-time work. Now, Bowler began working at Lowe's in 2002. He was baptized in July 2006 and the following year made a request for a religious accommodation according to the lawsuit. The EEOC asked the court to order Lowe's to reinstate Bowler's full-time status and accommodate his request for Sundays off. The EEOC also wants to uh, wants the company to provide back pay, compensatory, and punitive damages. Wow. So you mean to tell me that all I would have ever had to do was just walk into the employer and say... Hey, look, man, uh, if I wanted to watch football on Sundays, for example, all I did would have to go in there and say is, uh, look, man, I'm Mormon and I don't believe in working on Sunday. I'm sorry. Or I just don't. Uh, Sunday is the Sabbath for me. I'm sorry. I just uh, that's the Lord's day, dude. You know, uh, I can't go in. I'm sorry. I can't go in today. It's the Lord's day. Not to mention uh, the Vikings game is on. I, I can't uh, can't do it. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but the EEOC is actually entertaining this. I mean, I had a, a legitimate complaint with the EEOC, and they told me to go pound sand. But they're gonna they're gonna listen to this crap. Uh, I'm sorry, man. My religious fulfillments won't allow me to work on Sunday. You know, um, I'm sorry, but that's TS. Our store is open on Sunday, and until that changes, you better come in on Sunday if we schedule you on Sunday. Look, I'm not trying to be religiously insensitive here. I, I get it. I understand you might have your faith, but at the end of the day. Um, if you are a guy that is going to work at a store that's open 24-7 or is open at least seven days a week, maybe not 24 hours a day, but it's open seven days a week, uh, you might have to make that declaration known when you go in there saying, well, uh, don't, I don't want to work on Sunday. And then watch as the interviewer tears up your application and throws it in the trash and says, well, sorry, then we don't really have much use for you. If we gave days off to everybody that wanted them and uh, even if they used their religion as their excuse uh, we wouldn't be able to have a store open very much you know I'll come in on Monday at 345 in the afternoon that's cool Lowe's announcing its new exciting hours of uh, operation from Mondays at 345 p.m. to Mondays at 430 p.m. 
Get your job done now. I realize we have, um, you can't discriminate based on religion, but there comes a point where a guy just has to take some responsibility and say, well, I realize that, you know, I do have this religious obligation and, and somehow all of a sudden, and I like how from uh, 2002 to 2006, he had no problem working on Sunday, but then he got baptized and all of a sudden now he's like, hey, you know, I might be able to work this BS into a full-time racket. See, to me, I value people's religion. I know you're going to say that I don't, but I really do. I do value somebody's religion. But when it comes to a business and when it comes to if you applied for a job at Place X and you worked on Sundays previously, and now all of a sudden you have a problem, you conscientiously object to working on Sundays, you find it to be a problem, well, you should have probably voiced that sooner. And uh, if you don't like it and they decide to cut back your hours, well, then here's what I suggest you do. Uh, find a job where you can work Monday through Friday. And I know in this economy, that's saying a lot. It's hard to find a job anyway. But you're going to probably just have to go out and suck it up then and either work on Sunday and I'm sure God will forgive you. I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to be forgiving enough to let you go in on Sunday. After all, uh, according to some that I've talked to, Jesus would even forgive Hitler if he repented. If he was truly sorry for what he did, according to what I'm told uh, by people who have a lot more um, a lot more theology than I, um, Jesus, if Jesus would be willing to forgive Hitler, he'll probably forgive you for working on Sunday. I know. I know. You can go ahead and call me religiously insensitive. I'm just saying that uh, this sounds like more just an excuse to get out working on Sundays. Hey, man, I don't want to work on Sunday. It's football season. Well, it's not now, but it will be. You know, come September, I'm going to want to watch those games. Believe me, I understand. I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. But, you know, let's cut the BS here. Let's just say I want to have Sundays off so I can watch football. Or I just want to have Sundays off because I want to just put my feet up. You know, I just want to chill out. Hey, if I was working there, I would I would say the same BS. I'd be like, wait a minute. He gets Sundays off. I, I want him off, too. Why? Uh, religion. Yeah, God. Yeah, you know, I, I found him. Where? Well, you know, uh, I was eating alphabet soup and and the, the, the G-O-D came up. Sure they did, Groff. Get back to work. You know what? No. Hey, equal protection under the law. I got my First Amendment. The religion of Groff says I don't have to work on Sunday and... I get overtime after three hours because that's what my Bible says. Thank you. All right. Well, there you go. That's today's ridiculous lawsuit of the day. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. Hey, speaking of religion, did you see that Belgium wants to ban people from wearing burqas? They want to ban the burqa. Um, that's, let's see, that's probably the next country on the list to get blown up. I'm sure there's going to be a terror attack any second there now. Probably not a good idea to piss off those people, uh, especially lately. They've been, they've been on the go. And, um, Russia, again, as if we tie everything in, uh, they're looking for serious investigations and they want to go after full throttle the terrorists. Now, wait a minute. How come it's bad when the United States goes full throttle after terrorists, but now Russia's talking tough about terrorism, finally. Uh, Russia's talking tough about terrorism, 
And uh, I guess that's 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 okay. That's acceptable because they're going after a terror attack that happened on their own soil. And I guess that's bad when we did it, but it's okay when they do it. Okay. And you know when Russia goes after people, they're very, very uh, easygoing about it. They don't just rush in and, and do anything at all. They're, they're perfectly reasonable, normal people. Um, they, don't, they don't do anything screwy at all. All right, that's it. <laughs> I think we could safely call it a day. Uh, I, uh, I, that's, that's just a crazy story about the burqa, though. Belgium says no burqas. No burkas, you can't do it. No, sir. Again, how soon? We should get a uh, pool going. We don't have much time to do it, though, but we should uh, get a pool going. How soon will it be before uh, Belgium is blown up? More like how many terror attacks are going to occur in Belgium in the next year? You ban the burka by banning the burka, you ban us all, sir. Is that how it works? I didn't know. All right, that's it. We're done. It's another edition of Michael Graff in Exile in the can for a Thursday. Tomorrow we'll be back and uh, have more of this madness for you. On tomorrow's show, a little preview. This is called a tease in the radio biz. Going to preview the upcoming Major League Baseball season, divisions, teams, Players, if you have a, uh, a fantasy baseball draft, do you have any of your fantasy baseball questions throughout the season, I will gladly field those for you. Why not? Turn into a full-scale geek show here. Hey, you're looking at the... You're looking at foxsports.com division, whatever it was, number 374. Two years in a row now. League champion, all right? I know, I know my I know my rotisserie geek crap. I'm probably gonna get in yet another one this year. Oh believe me, I know. I'm I'm all about the fantasy baseball. So we're gonna have that coming up. Tomorrow we'll take a look at the pop chart as well. We'll see how that's been doing, see what's uh, number one happening in the world of CHR pop. Plus, we'll have a lot more news, notes, and stupid crap to get into on the program tomorrow, as we usually do. Yes, yeah, stupid crap. That's that's a great tease for tomorrow's show. I could just cut a promo with that right now. Yeah, coming down in three, two, one. Hey, it's Michael Groff. Check us out tomorrow on the podcast when we have a lot of stupid crap. There's your promo. Run with it. I am the wordsmith. What can I tell you? All right, that's it. See you tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much for checking us out. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email and PayPal address. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, and MichaelGraff.com for all of your Michael Graff needs. Hit us up on Facebook if you so desire. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a great night, everybody.